Welcome to the weekly worship service from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A and Kankakee. In today's service, you will hear readings from God's Word, a message from our pastor, the Lord's Prayer, and a blessing for you and your family. But first, a few announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. We invite you to join us for our weekly 5 p.m. Saturday worship service at our church located at 348 East Merchant Street in downtown Kankakee. We also hold weekly Sunday morning worship services at 8.30 and 11.05 at our school site, located at 1780 Career Center Road in Bourbon A. If you have any health reasons that might keep you away from in-person worship, please consider one of our alternative worship services, such as our worship page on our website, our weekly WKAN broadcast, and through our Facebook stream. You may also request an audio copy or opt for our podcast. All worship services and church information are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. The latest information on our response to the pandemic is available by clicking the COVID-19 tab at the top of the page. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, please call the church office at 815-932-0312. And now we pray that you are blessed by the Word of God in today's worship. Lesson is found in Zechariah 9, beginning at verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle vow shall be cut off. And he shall speak peace to the nations. His rules shall be from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore you to double. Please rise. 
And you can just imagine all of the discouragement that the Jews had when they returned from the Holy Land, returned to the Holy Land. Now, when the temple was rebuilt, we hear that the younger Jews, they, they rejoiced. They had so much joy at seeing that the temple was rebuilt. But for those in the know, the, the Levites, um, the, those who were able to read the Law of Moses, and those of the oldest generation, the heads of the clans, those that were there for when, the, for when Solomon's temple was, was there, they wept because of just how diminished Zerubbabel's temple was. They were prisoners of the past. And here uh, is an excerpt from Ezra chapter 3 that describes this event. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the father's houses, old men who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid, though many shouted for joy. The Jews also encountered, uh, when they came back to the Holy Land, uh, great resistance and even sometimes violence to rebuilding the temple from groups such as the Samaritans. The Samaritans were a race that were created by the importing of Assyrian colonists uh, into the Levant and mixing with the remnant Israelite population. And so a great enmity had built up between the two groups, the, the Jews viewing themselves as the pure line from Abraham, and therefore superior to the you know, quote-unquote mongrel Samaritans. And the hatred was on both sides. And that enmity between Jew and Samaritan would set the stage for the first century during the time of our Lord. The Jews and Samaritans were both prisoners of the past. The Jews had also encountered plenty of personal loss in the time of exile. Entire clans scattered, loved ones dying in the exile, the persecution of the Jews in Babylon. You can imagine just how bitter that personal loss was on the individual level. Each one was a prisoner of his or her own past as they grieved over what they had lost. Being a prisoner of the past isn't something that is unique to Jews in the 6th century BC. In fact, we are all prisoners of the past in some way or the other. Whether we look back in our lives to past glories or past hatreds or past losses. Each one, of the, each one of those things takes us prisoner, takes us captive, and we cannot free ourselves from the prison that we create for ourselves. And one of the most oppressive prisons that we can create for ourselves is creating for ourselves a prison mired in past glories. The older Israelites and those in the know, they looked at the, at the older temple and they beheld the glory there, the glory of the Temple of Solomon. And yet now they looked at the Temple of Zerubbabel and it was greatly diminished. They were prisoners of past glory. They wept. They wept at this new temple being built, right? Though diminished, God had provided them for a place to worship in. And we are more alike to these ancient Jews than we care to admit. I know many of us lament that the church is not filled up today like it was in the past. Church services are done differently today than they were done in the past. 
And not only are things different in the church, right? There's a diminishment in the church, but there's also a diminishment outside of the church. The church seems to be in steep decline in our culture. No longer is the church the center of people's lives. You know, a lot of the older members here can remember a time when the church was the center of life for everybody. No, but yet that is no longer the case. You know, we compare the church with yesteryear, and it all seems to be faded glory. We look to the past, and we look to the past for that better church, that better time. We're prisoners of the past. We become blind to what God is doing in the present and God's future plans for us because we're so imprisoned to the past. Another prison that we can create for ourselves is a prison of grudges and divisions. The Samaritans had held ancestral grudges against the Jews and the Jews held ancestral grudges against the Samaritans. It kind of reminds me of my first call. There were two influential leaders in the congregation. They had both grown up in the congregation in a one-house school, country school, and they grew up in the congregation and attended the parochial school, all of school, since kindergarten, and they were lifetime members. And yet they held grudges against each other. The two families did not get along. That probably went all the way back to the founding of the congregation. These were deep-seated grudges and hatreds, and they could never get past it. They were bound to the past. They were prisoners of ancestral grudges. And it causes us to look to ourselves, right? What grudges do we hold? What sins do we consider to be unforgivable? Now, who slighted you last week, last month, a decade ago, and you just can't let it go? Hatred is a prison. And the one thing as sinners is, is that we love to sin. Sinning feels so good. We are addicted to it. Our old Adam is bound to sin. And our old Adam keeps a record of slights against us until he sees the retribution he or she thinks is served. Our Lord warns against hatred, saying, it violates the fifth commandment in the most holistic sense. Anger, anger and hatred are, are spiritual poisons. They're, they're toxic. It's a poison that we ingest and hope that the other person dies from it. People who we hate, we do not want their well-being or what's best for them. Instead, when we burn that candle for revenge, it only leads to spiritual death. And this traps us in the past, we become prisoners of the past. And one of the most powerful prisons that we can find ourselves in is in the prison of loss, losing a loved one, a father, mother, treasured grandparent, a child or grandchild. The exiles experienced loss in their exile in Babylon. You can imagine that the bitter tears that they shed upon the unveiling of the temple 
was, was grieving their own personal loss. You know, the loss of the loved ones themselves during the exile. Things are never the same when we lose a loved one. There's a giant hole in our heart, and it never goes away. I mean, it can get easy, but it never vanishes. You know, we long for the days when we can talk to a loved one. We look back to the good old days. Those were better days. Grief is the bitterest prison we can find ourselves in. I know people who, who refuse to come to church because they refuse to be comforted. It's easier to long for the past than to look into the future without that special loved one in your life. Grief makes us prisoners of the past. Spiritual blindness, spiritual death, and bitterness mark someone as a prisoner of the past. Zechariah calls on us today that instead of being prisoners of the past, for us to be prisoners of hope. And there is no neutral spiritual ground. You're either going to be a prisoner of the past, or you're going to be a prisoner of hope. You're either a prisoner of Satan, or you're a prisoner of hope. Christ calls on us today to be prisoners of hope. And this prison of hope sets us free. God says here in Zechariah, I will set you free. God has set you free from your past. You are not defined by who you were or what you were. You are defined by who God says you are. And today, God declares to you today that through baptism, he has given to you a new identity. And that identity is that of being a child of God. He has freed you to be his very own child. He has washed you in the waters of holy baptism. He has cleansed you from all evil and from all sin. And those sins that you have committed in the past, well, those sins are separated from you as far as from the east is from the west. Christ washes away everything that you have that had defined you before. What had defined you before is that you were a lost and condemned sinner. And now you have a new identity, and that is saint. And as God's saint, you are free from sin, and you are free from the condemnation under the law. He makes you his prisoner of hope. God says, I will set you free. As prisoners of hope, Christ came to set us free from the consequences of our sins. And that consequence for our sins is death. Death is the ultimate prison. Death is an inescapable reality. Everybody here, we are all born with an expiration date. And death is why we look to the past or past glories. Death and decay destroys our bodies and our minds. Death brings pain, the pain of miscarriage and stillbirth, the, the pain of cancer as, as your body literally eats itself alive. 
and I can go on. And we all are in reality, every one of us here is in a form of extended hospice care. And yet Christ has come to free us from the bondage of death itself. And the thing is, is that we cannot free ourselves from this bondage to death. Christ died so that we would never taste death. The Son of God tasted death for all of us so that all who believe in him would have the gift of eternal life. And this freedom from death, this is the, the source of all of our freedoms. Now, we as a, now, not as how we Americans define freedom, which, looking out in the world, that is licentiousness, right? Basically, it's the satanic doctrine, do what thou wilt. But this freedom that Christ gives to us is freedom in its truest sense, that we are free to do good without condemnation. And this frees us from guilt and from shame, and it's not up to us to make things right. The Christian life is not a have to. It, that we have to do these things to either earn God's mercy or forgiveness, or these are things that we have to do in order to make the world a good place. No, all of that was taken care of on the cross where Christ's death is the all-sufficient atonement for our sins. Thanks be to God for that. Christian life is not a have to. Christian life is a get to. We get to be a part of God's amazing story. That through baptism you have been grafted into the story of all things. We've been grafted into God's story. And that we have a role in the story. You know, that is to do the good work that God has ordained in advance for us to do. And that this life that we live now is a life of preparation and anticipation. That we prepare ourselves for the life of the world to come. And then in that life, we're going to enjoy God's eternal presence forever and ever. God says, Ah, will set you free. He sets us free to be able to look to the future with confidence and certainty. As prisoners of hope, we know that the best is yet to come. Christ opens our eyes to the future. Christ promises all of us here today that we're going to be raised on the last day, and on that day we're going to enter into God's presence where there's going to be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more hatred, no more anger, no more loss, no more death. All these things will be former things, and mysteriously, we won't even remember them in the life of the world to come. And Christ will certainly come, and he's going to wipe away all the tears from our eyes. The Christian is always future-oriented, always anticipating God's good and gracious will. No matter how dark things seem to be in the present, no matter how much pain or sorrow we must endure, Christ promises that this is going to be a reality for us. He promises us that we're going to endure troubles. But whatever we endure now, nothing it's nothing compared to the joy and glory that is to come, which we will experience in the new creation, where Jesus is going to make 
all things new. All of our wounds that we experience in this life, both body and soul, will be healed. To be a prisoner of hope is to have our eyes looking ahead, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, and, and with full anticipation and eager anticipation of the fulfillment of all things in Christ. You know, and the thing is, isn't that the things of this world at best are free, right? The worldly things that we cling to, they can only provide, you know, at best, they can't even provide any comfort or any security. They can only provide false hope and false security. Christ's cause should be bring true hope even in the darkest corners of our life. Nothing is beyond Christ's redemptive work. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The Son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Hear, O prisoners of hope, that the ancestral foe has been conquered. Hear now that the Son has set you free. There is no spiritual neutral ground. You're going to be held captive by something. You're either going to be held captive by by sin, by death, and the devil, or you're going to be held captive to Christ and his word. Christ has made you a prisoner of hope, and that sets you free from all that binds you in the past, from pain, from loss, from hatred, from sorrow, from grudges, and it gives to you a glorious future. This future Christ won by dying for us on the cross, and being raised from the dead on the third day, he brings to you victory over your sin and over your death. He brings to you hope, and this hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Praise Jesus, all you prisoners of hope, for he brings good news to you today. And it is my prayer for you that he kindles his hope into your hearts for his coming. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding keep our hearts and minds in the one true faith of the life everlasting. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening.